In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Merry Christmas. Christ our Savior is born. And this is the good news that we are focusing on this morning. All of our songs, all of our prayers, all of the scriptures, and the word proclaimed will be telling us of the good news that Jesus Christ is born into our world. We've had four weeks of Advent where we anticipate his arrival, and now we have 12 days of celebration where we recognize that God himself has been born into our world as Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope and pray that you are well. We know that these times are unusual, and we know that normally we would be in our church sanctuary, but it is because we love our neighbors. It is because we care for the most vulnerable. It is because we are trying to relieve the burden on our community healthcare workers that we are continuing to worship via podcast for the time being. Jesus is Lord, and wherever you are worshiping this morning, it is our hope and prayer that you can rejoice in the birth of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving Lord and Heavenly Father, how we rejoice as we remember the wonder and joy of the birth of Christ into our fallen world on that first Christmas night, when the Prince of Peace himself came to live among men, as was promised to our forefathers so many years before. Thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you for the glorious gospel of peace that is shed abroad in our hearts when we trust in his name. Thank you for the person of Jesus Christ, who laid aside his heavenly glory and was born to die so that we might be born again and live. Father, the glorious truth of the gospel of Christ is life and light to the children of men. It is peace and hope. It is love and joy. It is forgiveness and salvation. But too often the Christmas story has lost its impact on a world that has rejected your truth and adopted the trappings of a world system that is doomed to fail. Rekindle the light of truth in the hearts of men and women in our neighborhoods, and may we be the salt and light as we once again focus our hearts on your humble birth and the redemption it provides for all who will trust in you. By grace through faith, give all who have been saved by your precious blood in abiding peace as we celebrate the beautiful truth of the glorious gospel of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, 
sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors to Abraham and his children forever. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, 
to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly strips of cloth and laid him in manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, let your servant now die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all the people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed him 
And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. I was growing up, one of the more common commercials that you would see on television was for something called Publishers Clearinghouse. I don't know if any of you remember these commercials, but the idea was that you could win a very large sum of money and you knew it was a large sum of money because they would show up at your house with a very large check. And when I was a kid, I thought that the bigger the amount of money, the larger the check you got, and so when you were winning thousands and millions of dollars, and I can't, I can't remember exactly how much Publishers Clearinghouse got up to, but the, the more you won, the bigger the check got to be. And they always showed, you know, they, they had this car that would pull up and people would jump out of the car and they'd have the massive check and they'd have flowers and uh, cameras were there and they'd come running out of their house screaming for joy because they had just won a big sum of money. And they would show all of these people who were happy and all of this. Growing up, our family wasn't bad off, um, but my grandmother always thought, uh, and we, we lived with my, my grandmother at the time, and, and she always thought that she could really help out our family if uh, if she would try to win the publisher's clearinghouse. And one of the things that the main thing, as far as I remember, that you had to do to win publisher's clearinghouse was uh, subscribe to magazines and magazines and magazines. And we had so many magazines 
growing up. I mean, it contributed to my weirdness. I was this little weirdo elementary school kid who came home and read Time Magazine once a week after school. I don't know too many other weird elementary school kids who did that, but I was able to do it thanks to Publishers Clearinghouse. Unfortunately, my grandma and I think so many other people were lured in by the promise of wealth, but with no payoff. They had put out a whole lot of money and they had never seen any return on their investment. And I don't know if Publishers Clearinghouse is still a thing or not. Uh, maybe it is somewhere in some uh, corner of the world, but, but it, it had me thinking as I reread the Christmas passages this year, I started thinking about Publishers Clearinghouse and how this gospel pronouncement is Publishers Clearinghouse in reverse. Because as we've heard these stories today, as we have, as we have read through this morning, almost the entirety of, of the first two chapters of Luke's gospel, we have seen God's work not in big, shiny, flashy, worldly ways, but in small, intimate ways that work their way out into the world. First, we have Elizabeth, and we didn't read this part, but we have Elizabeth who is told that she's going to have a son, and he's going to be called John, and, uh, and that he is going to be uh, somebody who is powerful and strong in the Lord. And then we did read this part where the angel Gabriel again shows up to Mary and says, you're going to have a child. And Mary's child is going to be different because Mary's child is going to be God himself. Mary's child is going to be Jesus. And for so long, God's people had cried out, for a Messiah, a rescuer, a redeemer. And the, the rescue they thought they were going to get was in a worldly way. They thought this rescue was, <clears throat> was going to put them back in control of their own land and kick out the Romans and, and they wouldn't have to deal with that problem anymore. When we read these stories, and when we read what happened with Mary, we see a picture of a person who God approached with a task, God approached with a call, God approached with a mission, and Mary responded. And this morning, I want to look at four different attributes of Mary that we see in this passage. This isn't going to be a, an academic lecture on the historical Mary. I could tell you all sorts of facts and figures and, and different cultural things about Mary, but they won't really give you an impression of who she was really. I mean, I can tell you that I'm six foot two inches tall, that I'm 36 years old, but it doesn't tell you anything about whether I'm a happy person or not, or whether I respond faithfully when, when God leads me to do things. Um, it doesn't tell you whether I pray regularly or, uh, or 
dig into God's word on a regular basis. We're not going to look at, quote, facts about Mary as much as we're going to look at who Mary is. Because when we look at Mary, we see a life fully surrendered to the Lord our God. The first thing we see about Mary is she is willing. Gabriel shows up in in Mary's house, and Mary wasn't in a prestigious place. Mary was in Nazareth, and Nazareth didn't have a great reputation as a town. Um, There was a Roman garrison that was located there. Uh, It was kind of small. It was kind of dinky, and nothing really good was thought of that could come out of Nazareth. And so Gabriel shows up there to Mary and he tells Mary what's going to happen. And he says that with you, the Lord has found great favor, Mary, and that she's going to bear this son. And Mary responds with absolute willingness to go along with this. When, when, he, when Gabriel gets done and, and he says, this is what's going to happen, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then Gabriel leaves. By comparison, Gabriel shows up to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And he tells Zechariah the exact same thing. Zechariah, when he gets this message, is at the temple. He is preparing to go into the holiest of holies, the center of God's glory on earth. And he's in the antechamber of God's glory. And he doubts. He questions the message from Gabriel. Here's somebody who absolutely should know better. And he doubts. And here is this young woman in a backwater town who is willing. We look at Mary's willingness to go along with this. And if we've heard this story over and over and over again, if you've been a follower of Jesus long enough and you've been part of God's church long enough, you've heard this passage so many different times throughout your life. Uh, You know, you might've even acted it out in a, a Christmas play or something like that. But if you read it again, read it with fresh eyes, you know, try to, try to look at it in a new way because what Gabriel asks of Mary is massive. He's saying that you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. You're going to be the mother of the most high God. And furthermore, this is going to put you square into a really poor social situation because Mary wasn't married. Mary and Joseph were not a married couple yet. She had been promised to Joseph, but they had not yet been united in marriage. And for her to wander around pregnant really wasn't gonna look good for her. And there were a lot of other ramifications that came for that, but yet Mary's willing. She is willing to take on this task because she knows that for God to trust in her is such an honor 
that it, it is so significant for God to choose a human vessel for his entrance into the world. So Mary then goes to visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist. And while Jesus was born of Mary as a virgin, uh, John the Baptist is born of the union of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, uh, a relative of hers. And she goes up off into the hill country where Elizabeth lived. And when she gets there, the baby John the Baptist inside Elizabeth leaps for joy, recognizes Mary. And Elizabeth makes a proclamation that Mary is blessed above all women, that she is carrying the Lord and the Holy Spirit has caused the baby inside of Elizabeth to recognize the baby inside of Mary. Both of these women are carrying babies of promise and it links the two of them back to Hannah in the book of 1 Samuel. Hannah was the mother of Samuel who had prayed and prayed and prayed for a baby and knew that she wanted to dedicate this baby to the service of the Lord. And she did. And Samuel, the, the spirit of the Lord came upon Samuel. And Samuel anointed Saul, the, the first king of Israel. Samuel anointed David through whom the line that would lead to Jesus was established. And so we see these three women who are bearing children of promise, and they're all linked together in this moment. And Mary realizes what is going on. She gets the fullness of it. And she begins to prophesy. When we hear the, the word prophesy or prophecy or, or prophet, sometimes we think of somebody who predicts the future what we don't often think is somebody who declares God's reality into our present world and into our present power structures. And so the second attribute of Mary here is Mary the prophetic. Mary understands the implication of who Jesus is and who Jesus is going to be. She knows there's a beautiful song called, Mary, Did You Know? And the answer is yes, Mary absolutely knew what was going on because she proclaims, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And she goes on and she's proclaiming all of these things about who God is, and then she starts talking about who Jesus is going to be. And 
She says, he has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. She knows that Jesus is going to be born to set the world right. She knows that in her own time, there are people who take advantage of other people for their own profit. There are people who take advantage of the poor for their own profit. And even in Mary's time and all the way to our time right now, there are people who take advantage of the poor in the name of the Lord for their own profit. And God is going to turn this upside down. Because through Jesus, God's ways are lived out in our world. And Mary knows this and Mary proclaims this. Mary proclaims this into a world that was overtaxed by the Romans. Mary proclaims this into a world where somehow there is loads of money for billionaires to build bombs, but there's not enough money to give people what they need to pay their rent and feed their children and buy their medicine. Mary knows this, and Mary says this in the power of the Holy Spirit. But then as the story goes on, we don't just see Mary as a firebrand prophet proclaiming through song what the Lord has done, because we also see Mary being faithful. It's one thing to talk about it, isn't it? But it's another thing to live it out. And the time comes, and Mary and Joseph, by the decree of the, the Roman Empire, are uprooted from their home. They have to wander to Bethlehem with Mary on the verge of, of birth, where there's no room for them, and she has to give birth to this child. But she's faithful to the promises of God. She knows that God has said this is going to work out. And she trusts God implicitly. She trusts that God is going to follow through on God's promises. And in this way, Mary is faithful. That she knows that God has said that he's going to see this through, that he's going to work out this new thing in her life. And so she doesn't flinch. She goes to Bethlehem. She doesn't flinch. She takes shelter in that barn or, or cave or, or, you know, however you interpret where they ended up. And she doesn't flinch as she gives birth to Jesus in very unsanitary conditions. Because she responds in faithfulness to God's faithfulness. And the last thing that we see about Mary is that she's a contemplative. Mary doesn't just let all these things happen and let it go to her head. Or she doesn't just let all these things happen and let go of them. Several times we hear Mary pondering these things in her heart. The shepherds arrive at the instruction of the angels, and sometimes we, we just need to stop and think about what that looked like. 
a bunch of unwashed shepherds running into where you've just given birth. And if you are a woman who's listening to this, uh, who has had children, um, my, my instinct is that you probably did not want a bunch of unwashed strangers running into the room shortly after you had given birth. Uh, it, it seems like a weird situation. But Mary ponders all of these things in her heart. When Simeon makes his proclamation in the temple about Jesus, she ponders that in her heart. And later on, when they lose Jesus in the temple for three days, and he says very simply, shouldn't I have been about my father's business? She ponders that in her heart. And so Mary is not somebody who lets the goodness of God pass her by. She considers what it is that God is doing. It wasn't just a one-off thing that the word of the Lord spoke to her. It wasn't just a one-off thing that she had a baby. She sees that the work of God is ongoing. So what do we do? What do we do with Mary? Sometimes as, as followers of Jesus that, that fall into the Protestant camp, we get a little itchy when it comes to dealing with Mary. Um, kind of have a, a history going back to the Protestant Reformation uh, about that one. But when we look at Mary, we see somebody who is faithful to God's promises. And when we see Mary, we see someone who is willing to go where God is leading her. We see someone who is not shy about naming the ways in which her world is not living up to the ways of God. And we see somebody who ponders and prays over all of the ways that God is working. And there may be aspects of Mary's story in our own life that, that we struggle with. There may be promises that we feel have been unfulfilled. There may be pains that we struggle with that we have asked God for, for years to heal and we, we haven't, haven't quite gotten that healing. We may be people who see the evil that goes on around us. We may be people who see the power and control that wealthy people have in our world, in our country, at the expense of the poor. And that may get us down. And that's where we need Mary's faithfulness. But we can't have... We can't have that prophetic voice without the other three. We can't have the faithfulness without the other three. Because Mary manages to hold it all together. And she holds it all together in a life that will eventually experience great sorrow as she watches this boy that she gave birth to die on a cross. 
but she knows that God is faithful and she's willing to go along with God. And we should be too. We need to let Mary's life be an example to us. We need to hold her up as one of the heroes of our faith because Mary knew before anybody else exactly who Jesus was and what Jesus was going to do. And so today on on Christmas morning, contemplate Mary. Hold in your heart what it means to be willing to follow God, to see what's going on in our world, to be faithful to the promises of God, and to hold hold it all together in prayer and contemplation as we celebrate the birth of Christ into our weary world. Done a great thing. Take-
accepted our shame. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you have given your only begotten Son to take our nature upon him and to be born this day. Grant that we who have been born again and made your children by adoption and grace may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom with you and the same Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Christmas is a very special time of the year, and we hope and pray that you are well in these unusual times. If you need somebody who will listen to you, who will reach out to you in Jesus' name, please don't hesitate to get a hold of us at the church. Our email address is baptist.church at comcast.net, and we'll be happy to minister to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, love God. Love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.